0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Anthony Cowan, and you're listening to SFC Radio, the sounds of Brooklyn Heights. Welcome to another episode of Should You Play This, which you can find by searching SFC Radio Presents on TuneIn app, SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify, as well as the Radio FX app, the official app for college radio. And on Should You Play This, we let you know if a game is worth your cash or belongs in the trash. On last week's episode of Should You Play This, we reviewed Persona 5 Royal, which was one of my favorite games of all time. And is still one of the most critically acclaimed games out there. And I told you that you should definitely try out the game because it's actually a really fantastic game but for today's episode we're not only going to be talking about one game we're going to be talking about multiple games and i'm talking an entire genre of games so on today's episode we're going to be talking about fighting games and whether or not they're worth playing competitively Now, I'm sure we all know how fighting games are. You pick a character to fight each other, you beat each other up, whether it's to knock them out or to the death, and then you win. But there are multiple kinds of fighting games. You know, you have your your 2D fighters where you're just moving left and right and up and down, and that's pretty much the majority of your movement. You have your 3D fighters where you can move up and down, diagonal, all around the place, stuff like that and then you also have things like your tag team fighters which is could be either 2v2 fighters or 3v3 fighters you have your platform fighters like super smash brothers where the controls are basically like if you're playing a platformer game like mario or rayman or something like that there are many many kinds of of fighters like it, it, there's no like definitive fighting game. Well, I guess there is a traditional fighting game that's just like 2D or 3D. And then there's anime fighters, which has like uh, an anime like art style. And those are like related to being very fast paced games. And then you have the, the arena fighters where it's one big open arena and you're fighting in there, and that's like a three D game, but that's not like the same as a a three D fighting game. It's a little complicated and it sounds a little strange to explain it, but there are so many different types of fighting games out there. And fighting games, they have their own competitive scene. Yes. So yeah, there are people out there who plays fighting games as a profession and if you know anything about esports they do large tournaments for like shooting games like call of duty or apex legends or fortnite and you know they even do esports tournaments for nba 2k which i thought was pretty interesting i didn't learn about that till like two years ago pretty much there is a there is a big wide esports for fighting games not all fighting games you know get their own esports but like every fighting game can have a uh competitive scene so for games like you know your your street fighters your your mortal Kombat's, your uh, your king of fighters tekken dead or alive well used to be I think Dead or Alive is still going. No, I think it ended. Anyways, but Smash Brothers as well. Yes, even Super Smash Brothers. That that fun little party game from Nintendo. That even has a competitive fighting game scene. And people go to national tournaments all around the world, have tournaments in their local scenes, and they play fighting games for money, pretty much back in the day things were different you know if a lot of people wanted to play fighting games back then they had to go to arcades and stuff to uh play with other people you know you put in a quarter there will be a cabinet for like street fighter 2 or mortal kombat 2 or fatal fury and then you'll play that with someone else who just happens to step in and pop in a quarter and just wanted to play and then they would just be a a large a large line or something like that and then like when you lose you would just get off the cabinet and the next person would come in and then put their quarters in but arcades were starting to dwindle and so they decided the best course of actions was to start porting these these arcade fighting games into console games which kind of became a norm for quite a long time and I think I think it's still happening but I'm not too sure on that the last time I've heard of that happening was back in Tekken 7 and that was that was like 2015 man Tekken 7 is like really old now but that was basically that was like basically a a thing. So they would basically port over these these arcade cabinet games and then put them on home consoles from like the Super Nintendo all the way up to now to your PlayStation fives. And sometimes the the versions that you're playing is gonna be uh drastically different from how they came out in the arcade, as well as the quality. You know, in terms of. How it looks and how it runs on the console and stuff like that. It's all going to be different. But people started now playing video games on home consoles. And so the way you would have tournaments is that well since arcade cabinets are kind of like dwindling down. You would have to buy multiple consoles. So say if you're a tournament organizer. And you wanted to host a Super Smash Brothers Melee tournament, you know. You would need, uh, well first you wouldn't have to find a venue to where you want to host those tournaments. And uh, finding a venue like that is definitely not cheap. We'll put it that much. So you want to find a venue and then you also want to have enough uh, monitors or TVs for, you know, for people to play in. And then not only that, you need to have multiple consoles for your game. So like if you want your tournament to run smoothly and there just happens to be like quite a decent number of people, you want to have multiple uh, setups so that more people can be able to play through matches and the tournament will be able to run a little smoothly. So you're gonna have to buy multiple Game Cubes. So say you need uh, twelve, you have twelve like TVs, and you need like twelve Game Cubes, and you know there's always two people playing. So so then you would technically be able to run twelve matches at the same time because you have twelve setups. And basically, twenty four people would be playing, uh, at the same time, pretty much. And tournaments usually go about uh two losses and you're out kind of deal. So you have a winners bracket, and then you have like a losers bracket, which is essentially how it sounds. If you if you if you get knocked out the first round out of winners, you would go into the losers bracket, and then you have to work your way up all the way back up to like grand finals of the tournament if you're actually like good enough to make it there. And then you know, you just have to try and win from there. But you're like tournament organization is like a lot. And then when it comes to like promotion, that's also very, very hard. You know, we now, we are now in like a big um online space. And you know, you do a lot of your promotions online. And so you, you if you're not like a big like organization or something like uh, Liquid or Panda Global or something like that who can host big tournaments. Or if you're not like the actual company themselves like Bandai Namco or Nintendo. Well, not Nintendo because they don't really like their competitive scene. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But... Uh if it's not like uh big companies or big organizations like sometimes it could be hard to um advertise your your local scene especially if you're not really like a a, notice, uh, a notable person and you you have to do your best to really to really push for people to come to your local scene and stuff like that Now How about fighting games? Like, now we're getting into the actual games. Because, as a casual person, if you see, like, a fighting game, you want to pick it up. You want to play the story mode. You know, a lot of fighting games used to come with, like, story modes or arcade modes. Like, you'll beat up a bunch of CPUs, and then you'll get, like, this really... Unique ending with a specific character And then you have like the versus mode Where you want to fight against your friends And you know you just want to mash buttons And beat them up and see all the The spectacle moves the characters can do Then you also have online play Where you just want to go online And mash buttons against strangers And beat them up you know You want to do stuff like that Like as a casual person you'll just enjoy Fighting games for like a short burst of time but things really change when you when you try and take a, a fighting game to a competitive level. Like, your view in the fighting game that you're playing, it, it shifts a lot. You'll start focusing more on, like, man, what characters are good in this game? What characters are bad in this game? And, like, you'll also try and figure out... You'll start learning, like, frame data... And then frame data is, like, essentially the animation of a move that you use. So, like, say you, like, you're throwing a jab punch at someone. And then it's, like, you animations where you're throwing out the jab. And then you're pulling the jab back to go back to your neutral position. Say, like, the punch comes out at, like, frame 5. And then it takes, I don't know, like... 20 more frames to... To go back... To go back into your neutral position... That would be like 25... uh, 25 25 frames in total... You know, something like that... And when you start putting that into account... You have to deal with... uh, Whether or not this move is safe... Or plus on block... Or not... And it it gets a little confusing... Because frame data is basically math... And... Me... When I was trying to get into fighting games competitively, uh, frame data was the most confusing thing in the world. So, let's say I do something like, I, I do like a, a huge strong move that's like minus 15 on block. That means the the opponent has like 15 frames That the opponent has 15 frames to punish you with a move fast enough. So say they have a 5 frame move that they can use to punish. So that means they had enough time to now punish my minus 15 move. You know, something like that. And that's something you you have to take into account. You also have to take into account movement. And movement is a very strong thing in fighting games. Because if you want to pick a character that's fast and you want to... You want that character to be able to move around and dodge attacks very quickly. And picking a slow character would not do you any justice because that means you don't have the mobility enough to uh you don't have the ability to like dodge these attacks. Especially if they're like zoner characters. And zoner characters are basically like characters who like throw nothing but projectiles at the opponent or use long range moves to like keep themselves away from from the opponent but are still able to attack them and if if you're playing like a, a low mobility character then that's going to be an issue for you and then from there it it kind of just stops when you're playing com- uh, competitive fighting games it kind of just stops being a a mashing fest and more of uh, playing the game the correct way or the most correct way in your case in order to win against your opponent and be able to take the game or take the set and tournament and stuff like that. You know, and that, that changes the view of the game completely. So, let's say for example, you wanted to play Super Smash Brothers Ultimate as a competitive fighting game. Now, normally, Super Smash Brothers is a very fun party game, you know. Four players or eight players now you have items and stuff that you could throw at people. You have all these wacky and crazy stages and stuff like that. Uh, that changes because now you need to have, uh, you uh, now you need to play in like a set rule set. So the rule set for Smash Ultimate is basically you have, uh, three stocks, which is like three lives in this case. And, the time limit of the time limit of a match is 7 or 8 minutes sometimes and then from there you have stages and you can't pick like all the stages because some stages have a bunch of hazards that get in the way of the match or they're like either really too big or really too small or they have walk offs on them and you want to find like the most perfectly balanced stage that you can play on and then from there you kind of just play pretty much no items by the way no items nothing you know you're just having a one to one brawl with your characters in this platform fighter and now that kind of changes the landscape of how you're you're looking at super smash brothers because now you want to see like who is the most definitive best character in this game or what makes a character strong like With what tools they have. And what makes a character weak. With what they're lacking in their toolkit. And then from there. The meta. becomes more focused on. Who's more important to play. Who is more consistent to win with. In tournaments. And what characters you want to. Avoid. And then not only that. You have to focus on their their matchup spread. Like. What characters are these Are these characters strong against Or what characters that this certain character is Weak against Like who who do they beat and who do they lose to And if a character has a very strong matchup spread Where they can uh, Comfortably beat most of the cast Then they're probably a really good character They could be like high tier or top tier But if, you, if a character is like struggling With a lot of matchups because of their lack of tools They're probably going to be low tier and they won't be considered very good in the meta and not competitively viable. Um, But that doesn't mean that they're like completely useless. No, 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 no. Back in the day, that was definitely a a thing. Like some characters were just like completely useless, completely useless. And back in those days, we didn't have patches and, Patches are like Basically You know The developers They start making tweaks Of the game You know If a character is a little too strong You know Kinda broken in a sense Uh The developers will basically Have a patch Where they'll start like Tweaking characters You know Tweak characters to make them weaker Essentially nerfing them And then tweaking characters To make them stronger And essentially buff them To find a A perfect Balance For the game and balance is a very hard thing to do in a fighting game. It's one of the hardest things. And I can't imagine how developers are when they're when they're trying to uh balance a character around around a fighting game. And then you you also have um online, you know. Uh this has been a pretty big debate because uh when 2020 hit and we all had to get into quarantine uh we didn't have like local tournaments or majors anymore we had to play a lot of fighting games online and that was that was quite the the frustrating experience for a lot of fighting game players because to be honest, a lot of fighting games have really bad online. Like, really bad. And a lot of fighting games are made by Japanese developers and, uh, since, like, a lot of people in Japan are, like, very close to each other, you know, their connection is not really bad. But here in America, uh, connections are very wishy-washy. So then, we have, uh, we have two kinds of of uh, net codes for online, there's delay based net code and then there's rollback net code. And with uh, delay based net code, it essentially when you're playing online, the game tries its best to like read the input that you made when you're pressing a button and uh. When you press the button, it would essentially take say if you like your connection is like five frames, that it would take like five extra frames for like the the button the button input to, to register, and that's not uh, a very good netcode to to run with for something like that, especially for like fighting games. That's very hard. And with connections being very wishy-washy in here in the US, um, it's hard to be able to play people from West Coast if you're from the East Coast or if you're from Canada and stuff like that. Which is the benefit of Rollback Netcode. And a lot of people have been pushing for Rollback Netcode because it allows people to be able to play against players online in a wider variety, you know? But it's, that doesn't mean rollback netcode is perfect. It has to be implemented well. And it, there has been some cases like with Street Fighter Five Where it has not been implemented well. And some people depend on online fight, online fighting games. Because they don't have a local scene to play in. So they need online to be able to... To get their competitive fix, but if the online in this fighting game is not very good, then that don't that doesn't help them either, which uh really ruins the accessibility of the fighting game. You know, if the if the online isn't good, and that tends to be the deal breaker for a lot of people nowadays in online. If the game doesn't have rollback netcode, then you know people would just forget about it and throw it away because delay based netcode. Usually means that the online is not going to be up to stuff, which is very sad and fighting game developers tend to be very, very stubborn when it comes to when it comes to online gaming and it's very frustrating, very, very frustrating with fighting game devs. You know, they're like your your main source of communication. They're the ones who's supposed to be telling you what's going on in the games. And when there's going to be like a balance update, you know, you really depend on them to really communicate with their audience, which fighting game devs also tend to struggle to do, especially especially now, man. Like, I don't know what it is about fighting game devs, but they don't want to communicate with their audience. If something is like clearly broken and needs to be fixed, they take the longest time to fix it. Or they just completely ignore it. And for a lot of players, including myself, that's very frustrating. And then the game ends up dying because the developers just didn't bother to fix these issues. Which would have been very, very helpful in the long run, you know. And that's that's how fighting games kind of die sometimes. Even if it's not just that. Sometimes it's just marketing that can kill a game's PR or something like that I remember back then when Capcom had Marvel versus Capcom 3 I think it was either that game or Street Fighter Cross Tekken where they actually had they they were actually hiding DLC which is basically downloadable downloadable content they basically had extra characters in in the disc like they were in the game's files but you couldn't access those characters. And they were going to release those characters later as DLC for you to purchase. And that's kind of messed up. Because they had these characters finished. And they, they're they in the base game. But instead of letting us be able to unlock these characters the normal way. Or just giving them to us. They're making us pay extra money. Why would you do that? I don't even know. I mean that doesn't warrant uh, What were they thinking But like that—that That is the dumbest thing You can definitely do And A lot of people hated Capcom For a long time Because of something like that It was very Very dumb Man <laughs> uh, Fighting games are weird man Fighting games are weird Like what can I say But like there's a huge There's a huge market For fighting games And you know It's very cool Seeing fighting games Be on like Very international levels and they're going around the world and we get to see these big tournaments that sometimes even make it on TV, which is very cool. You usually go to watch these fighting game tournaments on streaming services such as Twitch or they even have tournaments on YouTube. But Twitch is like the main the main place where you want to watch fighting game tournaments. And. Me getting into fighting games competitively because my first competitive fighting game was uh, Smash 4 on the Wii U. That was my very first fighting game that I really wanted to take seriously. And me playing that game competitively really changed my mind on how I look at fighting games now. Because now I can look at fighting games from a more competitive lens and... Also, still look at it at a casual lens, you know. Yeah, that was my uh, big little rant on fighting games in a competitive space. (laughs) Uh, You could only get that here on SFC Radio, the south of Brooklyn Heights, where I rant about video games sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. So... We're going to take a quick break before I shift into an interview with a friend of mine who is a professional fighting game player, but here's a preview of uh, Austin Pierce's Telesnark, which you should check out his show on FFC Radio. What's up, everybody? This is your man, AP. Welcome to Telesnark, your new house for commentary about television but with a twist you've never encountered before. This
1: isn't your parents' commentary. Hold your pearls, because they're about to be snatched.
0: Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Be sure to tune in on SFC.Radio, the TuneIn app, and the Radio FX app. I would like to introduce everybody to uh, a top Smash Brothers player sponsored by Liquid The Buzz. How are you doing today? So man, I am big chillin'.
1: You know me. I was just practicing earlier today, actually. Oh really? Yep. I practice every day. I try to.
0: Yeah, you you try to you try to because uh, pound is like next week, right?
1: It's Genesis in two weeks. Yeah.
0: Oh Genesis. And then
1: Pound, and then Low Tide City, back to back
0: to back. Oh wow. Yeah, they they actually have a lot of tournaments for stacked up for you now.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, summer starting up soon right you know spring right now, but then spring of the summer tends to be very busy
0: Yeah, I get that so uh, uh I wanted to I have a series of questions to ask of you if that's okay mm-hmm, That's what I'm here for So uh, the first question I wanted to ask was what was your first competitive fighting game and what got you interested in playing in tournaments in the first place?
1: Um, It was Super Smash Brothers Brawl was my first competitive game um, I just kind of like the idea of beating people's butts in games, honestly. I was just, like, you know, cocky little kid. Like, I want to mess people up in games. And I- I've always been very competitive. Like, even when I was young, playing little board games, you know, I would, like, get angry when I lost, like, board games.
0: So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I definitely feel that. Yeah, you were playing Brawl. Yeah, you were playing Brawl for a long time. I didn't even know you back then. But then again, I was very young. And you played all—you strictly played all more, right?
1: Yep. I had other secondaries, but, like, they weren't, like, tournament-trained. They were, like, hey, for fun secondaries, like, Cheek or Pit. Yeah, like, in
0: okay. yeah. Strictly Strictly Alomar. Oh, wow, and, uh, do you remember your, uh, your your placing in that, like, globally? Um, didn't we have global rankings
1: then? There was kind of, like, a retrospective, like, global ranking, and I think I was, like, considered top 20, like, all-time, probably, for Brawl, which is funny. 'Cause I barely attend stuff outside of Tri-State. <laughs> um, but Tri State is so stacked that like doing well in those events meant a lot. Oh, yeah. I know when it came to like the region, like New York, New Jersey, um, it they, they tend to kinda just smush the regions together. because mm-hmm. uh, Brawl is a smaller game, not as many players, so you can't really do like a top ten PR of just New York and have like a look competitive. But anyway, yeah. I tend to be like on that top ten like ranking uh for New York, New Jersey for a few years. Uh I was number one at some point in the region, actually. But normally, like, just top ten-ish.
0: Oh, that's good. That's nice. That's nice. Uh, I mean, you've been staying consistent, especially nowadays. You've always just been very consistent with your, your placements. Mm-hmm. So, uh, next question I wanted to ask. and I know you've talked about this very recently, but, like, do you re- really enjoy going to these tournaments, whether it's locally or globally?
1: Um. Honestly, so... For me specifically, tournaments are definitely more of a job and, like, chance to practice than anything else. Like, most people go to tournaments for practice and just the social aspect of it. Yeah. But I'm not exactly the most social person in general. And when I do this so much and, like, you know, for me it's like, I want to win. You know, I kind of got to, like, do well these. So, eh, It it can be fun to, like, travel. But the actual, like, experience of being at the tournament, I've done it so much that... I don't particularly enjoy it, but that's also because I take them seriously. If I go to like a more casual event for like you know say FGC stuff, yeah, I have a lot of fun because I could just you know let you know uh, be like low stress. You know, it doesn't matter if I do well or not. Say an FGC event, like if it's go to your shive or something, mm-hmm. or if I'm just chilling there and talking because I've done that before, and that's a good time.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know I I definitely get that, especially now since you're 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 sponsored and you know now. There's like the uh, the introduction of a global ranking. Like you really wanna you really wanna do well in those, you know? Exactly. So especially like yeah,
1: especially since the ranking for like PGR is just coming back. Like yeah. the first global ranking in two years, pretty much. Well, there was other rankings, but like PGR is like the big one, right? So mm-hmm. now everything really matters.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like since you're like you're a sponsored player and you're sponsored by Liquid, you know. Like, does it feel weird to have, like, such a a big organization like, like, Liquid alongside you to support you playing these fighting games? Um, honestly, no, but I would say it's because
1: when it comes to Liquid and, well, really, every sponsor I've worked with, um, they're pretty, like, hands-off in terms of, like, hey, you know, here is our support, you know, fly to events, salary, you know, if I need help from them, like, you know, I've asked for help for, like, some projects coming up, you know, they, they support me. But for the most part, since I kind of ask them when I need stuff and otherwise they just kind of let me do my thing, it doesn't really get in the way or, like, change anything.
0: Okay. Wow, that's mm, that's actually kind of surprising to hear because I, I, I would figure, like, uh, Liquid would probably, like, ask you, like, a lot more for, like, um, content because I know Panda does the... The same thing with their sponsored players, so that's no,
1: nah, they're not like that. At all. I know Panda's very like aggressive, like makes their placement make content. Like to be fair, you know, Liquid doesn't want me not doing content. Like if I yeah. stopped streaming for like a month and stopped making videos and like just did nothing for a month, they would probably hit me up like, "Hey, bro, what's up?" And like you know, they had me do things like tweet out certain things or like go to like certain like events they're like trying to host. Like I've gone to like TwitchCon for a Smash thing they wanted me to do mm-hmm. with Honda. So it's not like they don't make me do anything. It's just not like a lot. Like it's not much more than I normally do. And if it is something in particular, like going out, it's like pretty rare.
0: Okay, okay. So this the the next question I also have is uh well you know the audience that uh would probably listen to is they probably don't like see fighting games like the way you do now since like you play them competitively but like how much has being a competitive player shifted your view on how you look at fighting games being good or not so it's weird because i'm
1: able to mentally like split up like casual versus competitive like, in terms of, like, how something's good, right? Like, yeah, you know, I can look at some games and say, oh, this game's awful competitively. I look at Brawl for that. You know, imbalance, bad mechanics, glitches, whatever it is. But I look at the casually and I can say, okay, but if you're just picking the game up having fun, it's great for that. So, and I feel like when I look at fighting games, I do kind of mentally classify them in terms of, like, is this good casually? And is it good competitively, right? I look at something like Street Fighter, yeah. Where you know, I, I think that game, competitively, pretty good game. You know, seems balanced enough, you know, seems, like, mechanically solid, blah, blah, blah. But I look at it casually as like a pick-up-and-play-and-have-fun game, and I'm like,
0: nah. Yeah, I've seen a lot. Of, when it comes to, like, something like Street Fighter or, or Tekken, like, you can't pick that up casually. It's very hard. Or, or in Tekken's case, it's hard to do both, because that game just demands so much out of you.
1: Exactly. And you compare it to something like Smash Brothers games, which, you know, they're all... Pretty good casually, and then the later ones have gotten better competitively with Ultimate being a solid one. yes. Yeah. issues like look like Guilty or Shive, which is a great example of a fighting game that's traditional that does both very well.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I it's it's fun. it's good to have that balance because you know, um, especially, especially nowadays, it kind of feels like um, people, uh, a lot of players kind of forget about like the, the game just being fun casually because now that you're like a, a top player or like you're playing it competitively it's more like a a job for you and you can't really you, you, they don't really take the time to really like appreciate like what this game can do just for anyone normally who wants to pick it up or who's just interested in it.
1: It's interesting because most people that play a game you know long term are going to play it more competitively even if they don't mean to whereas you know more casual people are going to play a game and then drop it pretty quickly so Games have to be built with competitive in mind, I think, in order to keep it, like, long-term viable. It doesn't have to be, like, the best, but it has to be enough for competitive people to kind of, like, fight at. Yeah. Because otherwise, long-term, there's not going to be, like, that player base that really supports it, I think.
0: Yeah, kind of like kind of like the arena anime fighters that, you know, a lot of casual folks like.
1: Exactly, right? Like, those come out, you know, they're really fun, like the Narutos or whatever. Yeah. They're really fun to watch, they're fun to play, but then I don't know anyone who replays really those games after, like, the first, like
0: the first like year yeah yeah that is true that is true and i think so far like i think so far like companies have been doing kind of okay when it comes to support at least at least nowadays because i don't don't know back in the days it was like really weird because sometimes you would just have to buy a completely new game for 50 bucks just to get a brand new update but now you just you can just get a free up. You can just get a free update, and most of the time they'll tell you what's going on. But communication is still kind of iffy.
1: Yeah, it's more so that there's just more of a, I guess, market for it. It's just kind of, I guess, technology advancing, right? Because back in the yeah. days, so like say, you know, old photo games, like PS2 era, you couldn't download updates digitally, or like even like PS3 era, like. You know, budgets for games were much smaller, player base was much smaller, so it's hard to like, really do all the things that we kind of take for granted nowadays. With, like, yeah, it's, you game know, how you, you have updates, like patches, and not requiring people to buy the game over again. Like back then, devs kind of needed people to buy the game again, probably just to support making the updates. Yeah,
0: like Marvel, you have Marvel 3 that, that came out, and then Ultimate Marvel 3 was like eight months later. That was just, Mm -hmm. and you had to pay, and you had to pay another fifty dollars for that, and he's just like, "Oh, that's not fun."
1: Yeah, but that was kind of just how it was back then, in terms of like, just making it viable. Because also, you know, updating games back then, I think, was a lot harder than it is nowadays. So imagine adding like twenty new characters, overhauling mechanics, and everything.
0: Yeah, that's rough. That's very, Mm -hmm. very rough. So. Since you're like a, a top player, you also have you also have a lot of people looking to you to help them with the game and stuff, especially like now you're you're doing coaching for Metafy and stuff like. So, would you say like as a would you call yourself like a, a big influence influencer when it comes to like public opinions for people?
1: Um, I'd say yeah. Now, granted a lot of people don't agree with my opinions, which is fine, but at the same time I post an opinion and you know, people are gonna like look at it like I post my tier list that that goes on Reddit, blah blah blah. People are talking about it for a day on Twitter. You know, I make those YouTube videos. And people like mention like, hey, the Buzz, I watched your video on this. So, I'd say my influence in terms of the Smash community is pretty big. Which okay. is also why I always, every top player jokes about this. We don't want to post our opinions online much because everyone just like wants to disagree with opinions as much as they can.
0: Yeah, it's either that or they don't, or they don't know, uh, they, it's hard for them to form their own opinion, so they go to look at top players, look to top players for, to have some kind of input on something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of people, like,
1: hearing an opinion that agrees with their own, right, so, like, yep. they want to hear a top player say something that they think. Yeah. So
0: it validates what they're saying, and they hate when it's the opposite. <laughs> <They hate> it. <laughs> yeah, totally. It, it still, it still happens, it still happens nowadays. It, it happens
1: more nowadays i'd say honestly. oh
0: yeah yeah they could think now it's gotten worse especially mm-hmm. because everyone can have
1: an opinion online
0: of course of course for better or for worse what would you what would you say is like the the hardest part of like being a competitive player for like fighting games and stuff um oh
1: i think one of the hardest things is just keeping up with the game. Because, mm-hmm. you know, all the people are constantly trying to get better at it and, like, develop new tech. And basically, it's constantly an arms race. Yeah. Honestly, which makes it difficult. And then also when it comes to, like, making it work as a living, right? Because you can just play casually, do whatever, fine. But if you're trying to, like, make it, like, an actual, like, job, there's a lot that goes into it that isn't just playing the game again good. You know? Streaming, YouTube content creation, like, social media, like, getting, like, sponsors can be really difficult and you have to do all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you have to constantly travel to do, like, offline events because you don't have, like, a game with, like, an online circuit that's really, like... Well, I shouldn't say that because I think Brawlhalla kind of has that. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. More smaller fighting game. But anyway, the oh, point yeah. is, like, you have to do a lot of stuff outside of playing the game to
0: play the game as, like, a living. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah uh i definitely feel like the 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 online sort of deal like not not everyone has like an arc evil like guilty gear strive does you know mm-hmm. and you know and then just and then online just in general is just iffy when it comes to fighting games you know rollback delayed base you know that's also been a big factor Of whether or not you should play your game or not it gets kind of crazy
1: Exactly right. So when we have an era with online, like being good for fighting games, you know, we're still gonna need offline events because even things like League and Valor, and, you know, games yeah, are great online. As far as I know, you know, they have like the qualifiers online. They still have offline stuff, but when we have that, which I hope Riot does that. Hope make get good <laughs> fighting game with the good online. But like that'll really change the landscape and make it much more accessible for people to get into because it really. It really isn't accessible to, like, get into competitive fighting games. Like, you can play something casual in line with Elite Smash or whatever. Yeah. But you want to, like, you know, compete, you gotta go to offline events. You gotta get go offline practice. But that's just not available everywhere. Yeah. But you play online, be online might just not be good enough because where you live, and then suddenly you can't do that either. And, like, it, it really is something that where you live determines so much of your
0: ceiling success-wise. Oh Yeah, def- definitely. Um... Uh, I think that's i think that's like really frustrating for a lot of people who are in different countries who just don't have the greatest online and uh not only that but like their their competitive seed offline is just very it's very it's small so they they don't have locals over there so sometimes they would have to depend on online events and just uh good online connectivity in general to be able to play the Play their game, but unfortunately, a lot of fighting game devs nowadays they don't they don't uh see the uh the, the wider appeal of making things accessible, especially when you take into account also like console exclusives and whatnot.
1: Yeah, oh, that's a whole another can of worms. Yeah, right? like games are on multiple consoles with different like functionalities. Like I remember Guilty Gear released on PC and a uh, console. Even though console is the better version to play for tournaments, PC is more popular. But it ran slightly better than console, so you kind of uh, you play like PC and they play console, and it's like different. It's like awkward, or like I play PS5 shy before, but PS4 was like the tournament standard for obvious reasons. But then that uses a different controller, so to get an adapter, and like that made it more annoying to play when we took a tournament for it. And yeah, I, I'm ranting, but the point is, yeah, it's because you have different ways to play the same game.
0: Mm-hmm
1: that can be its own like little like barrier depending on what the standard is not even including the fact that it's just like different countries especially might not even have the scenes to like support it yeah yeah
0: there is one more thing so it's time for another edition of this segment i like to call what were they thinking I have I have this little segment of the show, uh, I call it, What Were They Thinking? And the point of this segment is, I would talk about the dumbest, stupid, and most broken things that a video game can have that just makes you ask, like, what were the developers thinking? And I'm, you and me both know that fighting games have a lot of ridiculous things coming with it so mm-hmm. i personally wanted to ask you like what is the most dumbest most broken thing in any fighting game that you that just makes you question why the developers would do this
1: Ooh, there's a few
0: so my instant thought goes
1: smash for a rage because even though i'm gonna point out dumber things mm-hmm. i think brawl tripping was dumber but that game wasn't meant to be competitive. The devs didn't think there'd be actual tournaments for it. Yeah. So they, they just put in funny things for the lulls, right? Mm-hmm. So that's dumber, but Smash 4, clearly the devs, you know, balancing it with patches, clearly they, they didn't have competitive in mind, but they were aware of it. Yeah. And definitely balanced things and have things for competitive play specifically. So then they they put region, they saw it, like, you know, be really dumb. Like, hey, you're dead at zero because someone was at 150, and they said, Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we're, they, we're gonna keep that in. They we're, never we're t- even, t- like that. Like they, they never retweaked, they never changed it. They they may have changed some characters' confirms into Rage Nonsense, like they never played Zero Suits but to get it. Yeah. Like down for up RP, but they didn't remove it. She could still get it. So probably that. Although I feel like if I played Guilty Zerd, Danger Time. I saw oh that. I was like, Danger time <laughs> And like when you clank there's like a random chance to like basically make it so every move does insane damage and combos yeah and i was like
0: oh that's what is this
1: (laughs) why would someone do this
0: yeah it's very and it's very rare that you kind of get a clash in a game like guilty gear so just so it not only is that kind of rare and it's randomized but then you you have danger time where it's just like now everything is explosive for like Five to ten seconds, and you any touch is like a, a touch of death for you, mm hmm. And so that was,
1: whew. and then also one other thing. So now I feel like you're probably gonna disagree with me on this, right? Mm-hmm. Because on. you like DBC Fighters a lot, yeah. Go but when I saw DBC Fighters. I wanted to like that game, and I did like it a bit. I did try and I did like it a bit, but I always thought super dashing.
0: Oh my god as a mechanic, super
1: dash. a full screen homing button that could lead to combos. While hard punish both, you know, two H's. While in counterplay. Just yeah, the idea that that existed and it ignored a lot of, like, neutral tools. Like, projectiles could lose to it. Um, a lot of moves would lose to it. I always thought that was, like, alright. They, they really just put an ignore
0: neutral button into the game. Oh, yeah. And, and Super Dash is, like, very, very wonky with its, with its traction. So, sometimes you're, like... A lot of move, a lot of movement from super dash is like unintentional. Like if you do a super jump over somebody, you would try a super dash, but then midway the super dash would just stop, and you're just suddenly stuck on the ground. It's just like, oh, what just happened? Or sometimes yeah. you would, or sometimes when you super dash, you would accidentally cross up somebody, and you get a combo off of that, and you're just like, oh, okay, well I guess I lose.
1: Yeah. Oh, the the random cross ups off of super dash. Or like when it wouldn't connect and like because it whiffed like someone was ready to deal with it and then they're like counter whiffs and it just gives us all like weird shenanigans yeah and especially when you're getting newer to the game and like up, you're fighting people who are like only super dashing and countering super dash it felt very like dumb right Yeah, like, like early dbc fighters was like so much super dashing and it was, it was very silly to watch that and play that <laughs> yeah
0: yeah definitely Dragon Ball is like a, a very funny funny party game.
1: I hear we'll call it a party game now because of the newest DLC character. Yeah,
0: well that that's another top that's another topic for another yeah. time. But but uh, thank you so much to Buzz for appearing on the show, and I'm glad you you, you took part of this. So uh, I really I really appreciate you, man.
1: No no problem, dude. And I'll catch you later.
0: Yeah, see you later. So that was a that was a very interesting interview from the buzz and I, I was happy to have him here with me to talk about fighting games. So, I guess the question it comes down to is should you play fighting games competitively? I know that was kind of a lot to take in and probably even confusing for some. But like you get I hope you kind of get the the gist of uh, how different fighting games competitively are when you Looking at them through a competitive player's eyes than just looking at it as a as just a casual folk For me personally, I don't think playing fighting games as a job is uh, Is the best no, but unless you're like very passionate about the game you love then I'd say go for it It's very 50 50 so I mean who knows right? Whatever you may take from this podcast i hope it might interest you and maybe wanted to take a game competitively or not or if you kind of doubted your sense of trying a game competitively maybe this kind of just reinforced your your fears who knows who knows so anyways that is the end of the episode today thank you all so much for listening to SFC Radio, The Sounds of Brooklyn Heights. This has been Anthony Coward on Should You Play This, and you can find this show by searching SFC Radio Presents on the TuneIn app, SoundCloud, Apple Music, Spotify, and the Radio FX app, the official app app for college radio. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a great day.